What's going on? Welcome into Sports Betting Daily. How are you on this Monday? Happy Monday. Today is January 10th. It's Championship Monday. Georgia, Alabama tonight for all the marbles. Wrapping things up in uh, college football. How was your weekend, though? How was your Saturday? How was your Sunday? Did you hit some bets? Did you finish the regular season off well in the NFL? How'd you do? Did you finish up or down this year? Playoffs decided, all that in uh, football. So uh, it was a good weekend, big weekend. Actually, our quick picks, as we do every Monday, we'll recap the quick picks. Five in one weekend, giving some games out, so that was nice. And uh, like I said, tonight's national championship. So what we'll do on today's show is uh, recap the quick picks over the weekend quickly. And then I will give a preview and a pick for tonight's national championship game. I do have a like for the the spread on tonight's game. So we'll go in depth. I'll let you know what I think about tonight's game and uh, day of preview. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, first things first, special thanks to Better Edge online, betteredge.com. Experience what VIG free betting means, what it's like to get rid of that minus 110. Because I'm telling you, whether you're a professional, a seasoned pro, or you just started betting yesterday, Everyone benefits from from making their bets with Better Edge. Now, really, big free betting, what that looks like is if one side is minus 115, the other side's going to be plus 115. So it's just getting rid of the exact reason that makes it so tough for most of us to win betting sports. Check them out online, betteredge.com, uh, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com, like sports better. Uh, put in promo code SHARP when you're signing up. That gets you a free $10. It lets them know we sent you, and you'll start having more fun and making a ton more money betting on the sports you love. Online, betteredge.com, promo code SHARP. All right, so let's get to it. On the weekend, 5-1 and one for our quick picks. And uh, for those new to the show or uh, those who just found us recently, on Fridays, what we do is we give some look-ahead picks, some look-ahead uh, numbers for the weekend. And then Saturday morning and Sunday morning, we kind of solidify things, go over the picks we gave on Friday, and then let you know if there's any value day of. There rarely is in like the NFL or... You know, maybe the NBA, but sometimes we find value in the, in the uh, morning for those games. We like to give out our best picks. And I know you guys have things to do over the weekend. You like to get the picks and go on, so that's what the uh, weekend quick picks are all about. But uh, this weekend, like I said, 5-1 and one for our quick picks. On Saturday, we, uh, I guess here actually, including the Friday show, so it was 5-1 and one over the weekend. Friday we gave out, because I thought we ca- we canceled one of our NFL games on Friday. Oh, we actually did. I have a, We have a little note here. We did hit uh, an over. We hit the Broncos, Kansas City over. So I guess it was a 6-1 weekend. hey oh, 6-1. All right, so on Friday, we gave out Broncos, Kansas City over 43. We gave out a two-team teaser, which was our only loss of the weekend. We took uh, Washington football team and the teaser from 7-1. to one. That won, but we also had the Patriots. And that didn't end up going our way. So uh, Patriots lose, end up uh, blowing our perfect weekend. So that didn't win. That was the uh, part of the two-team teaser that didn't cover. And then the other game we gave out that day, well, we actually gave it a couple more. We gave out Rams minus four, and we ended up uh, buying off of that on Sunday morning. If you want to know why, listen to yesterday's show. We we came off the Rams on Sunday morning. And then the actually the last game we gave last Friday was the game I'm going to give today on uh, our preview. So I'll save that in case you didn't hear last week's show. But uh, the winner on Friday, Kansas City and uh, Denver over 43. The loser was a two-team uh, teaser, Washington and the Patriots. 
On to Saturday, 3-0 and on Saturday. We had uh, Clemson on the road, plus two against NC State. They won outright. That was in college basketball. We had uh, the Dallas Stars in the NHL. They ended up winning on Saturday. And then we had the Colorado Avalanche uh, against uh, Toronto uh, Maple Leafs. So 3-0 and on Saturday. Moving on to Sunday, we had a uh, winner in the morning, Nottingham Forest. They covered both the first half bet and the game bet. So no matter how you played that for how we gave it out, you ended up winning there on Nottingham. Uh, the St. Louis Blues ended up uh, winning their game. And then, uh, like I said, the two-team teaser we gave out on Friday, which was played yesterday, ended up losing. So 6-1 and one on the weekend. Hopefully you all jumped on those or had a nice weekend yourself. If you missed the shows, didn't make any of the bets, hopefully you had a nice weekend yourself. All right, let's get on to it. Let's get on to the national championship coming up tonight. Georgia, Alabama, and what's going to be, I think, a really good game at Lucas Oil Stadium. So the line has moved from last time these two teams played in the SEC championship. Georgia closed a six-and-a-half-point favorite, and the vast majority of the money was on Georgia. I think it was around 83% of the cash was on the Bulldogs. It had minus six-and-a-half. So most of you listening were eager as hell to bet Georgia game one. Then what happens? Alabama comes out, embarrasses them, and now most of you who bet Georgia game one, you flipped on the other side and you can't wait to bet Alabama. Now, just to make things clear, I had Alabama in the SEC championship plus six and a half. I had a money line. I had him first half. I had him pretty much every way you could bet him. Okay. I loved the Crimson Tide in the SEC championship at six and a half. Now that things have changed, now that we've seen one game, now that there's one data point, and the line has moved four points. I do have my pick, and I'll start off by letting you all know what I'm on, and then we'll go through the handicap. My play of the day, my favorite pick of tonight, is the Georgia Bulldogs minus two and a half. Now, there's been a four-point adjustment, like I said, from the SEC championship game to this game. And a four-point adjustment, in case you're not aware, in a football game, that's a big, big move. Okay, Now, it may not seem like four points if you're saying... What are you talking about, Tyler? You scored a touchdown. That's seven points. Four is almost half that. That's not a big move, but that is a huge move. When you look historically at the way lines act after we see what teams look like, this is a big move. And you can easily compare football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, and get these kind of equivalent ratings for what happens after one game. And another way to say one game is one data point if you're looking at this from a math point of view. And we experience this often in sports that have series in the playoffs, right? Like basketball, baseball, hockey. We see seven-game, five-game series play out. And we have the benefit of seeing what these lines do and what these markets do after there's a blowout. Now, I know Alabama won 41-24. Some of you may not consider that a blowout. But for being almost a touchdown underdog, that's kind of in that ballpark. And so Alabama after essentially embarrassing Georgia in the SEC championship game, right? It, it was really funny. I saw a Twitter poll done or a Twitter, whatever, just question done by a, sport, a pro sports better. I think it was Brad Powers. I'm not exactly sure who did it. I know I follow Brad Powers. Um, either way, there was a, a conversation asking the public what they think the spread should be after watching the SEC championship game. And most people were saying Alabama should now be an overwhelming favorite, which would mean the market would have to adjust over a touchdown, which is absolutely crazy. So back to the other sports, NBA, NHL, MLB, baseball, what we see, or Major League Baseball, what we see in the playoffs is 
whenever there's a blowout, similar to how Alabama blew Georgia out the first time they met this year, whenever there's a blowout, you see almost no movement in the market. Zero. If the Lakers play the uh, Dallas Mavericks in the playoffs, and I know the Lakers aren't doing well, just work with me in this hypothetical. Lakers are playing the Dallas uh, Mavericks in the playoffs. Dallas is minus three, and they win by 30. You know what game two is going to be? Probably Dallas minus three, maybe three and a half. Okay, unless there's an injury or some other change or they're moving venues or something like that, right? Some cause for the line to move like that, like an injury again, or they're they're going back to play in, in LA or whatever, okay? But if it's in Dallas, game one, Dallas is minus three, they blow the Lakers out, game two, they're going to be minus three again, maybe minus three and a half. Same thing in baseball. If you get a matchup and the Yankees are minus 150 against the Red Sox and the Yankees win 15 to zero, well, they're probably going to be minus 150, minus 160 the next day. Now, baseball is slightly different because of pitchers, but my point here is the market, which is far smarter than people, well, some people give it credit for, the market collectively is actually pretty intelligent. And the market usually is not off that much. And the market says, after an NBA blowout, after an NHL blowout, after an MLB blowout, after these games end up in a blowout, you don't adjust that much because nothing's really changed that much and the market wasn't off that much to begin with. And if you're telling me, if you're right now saying to your radio or podcast or whatever, uh, Tyler, the, you, the, you know what? You want to know a difference? Those sports aren't football. You're talking about basketball. You're talking about hockey. First of all, it's an analogy, but it, the same thing happens in football. It's not like football is some magical different sport to where one game means so much more. And by the way, just because the season is structured 16 games, though the single elimination of playoffs, that's the way they've created urgency by one game, but that doesn't change the math behind one game, okay? If the NBA suddenly said, okay, everyone's 16-game season, that doesn't mean a blowout has more weight in the NBA, or it means more, or if in our example, if there's a three-game series, or, or let's say there's a one-game series in our basketball example, okay, where the, the Mavericks are minus three against the Lakers, and it's just a one-and-done, like football, and let's say the Mavericks blow them out, win by 20 or 30 points, and we don't have the opportunity to see a line. That's the same thing, okay? But just because basketball may have changed their rules and said, nope, no more series in the NBA and everything's one and done now, doesn't mean that if the Lakers and Mavericks played again, the line wouldn't be minus three. That's my point here. Just because football is structured as a sport to where it's every game means more in the season because there's fewer games, it's single elimination, doesn't mean it changes the math behind what these teams would do if they played again. So you have to ask yourself, from the line moving from six and a half to two and a half, what has really changed in between Georgia and Alabama? So here's what's changed that I've found between the SEC championship and, and, and this game. Both teams have exposed their game plans for how they play each other. And this is a big negative for Alabama because Georgia, even though they were talking about winning the SEC championship and how important it was, and blah, blah, blah. Just look at the film. Look at the numbers. Look at the tape. They didn't do anything they normally wouldn't do during the regular season. And if anything, they scaled it back a little bit. There were more passes to the running backs. There were more passes to the tight ends. They got more conservative, especially on offense when you talk about Georgia. Alabama needing that SEC championship win to advance the playoffs emptied out everything they had. Bill O'Brien with a month to prepare, by the way, with over four weeks of preparation, 
unloaded the kitchen sink at, at Georgia, threw everything at them that they had. I mean, Georgia saw a ton. They weren't ready for that game. And Alabama really didn't see much they weren't ready for. So that's one thing that's changed. Both teams exposed their game plans. Alabama showed everything. I'm not so sure how much Georgia showed. Another thing that's changed, or that will change, the location of the game. Not that big of a deal, really, going to Lucas Oil Stadium, except for the fact that Alabama's the best college football coach in one single stadium in the history of the sport, and that stadium is where they play the Sugar Bowl. Or uh, uh, where they played the... uh, (laughs) In the Sugar Bowl, where they played the uh, SEC Championship game, okay? Saban dominates that place. I don't know what it is, the locker room, the field. Well, Tyler, it's in Georgia. I don't care. Saban owns that stadium. Now they're going to Lucas Oil, maybe evens things up a bit, but that is just one thing that's changing. It's not a positive or real negative for either team, but that's different. And the last thing that's really changed that may affect the handicap, there's been some prime injuries, some big name injuries, all on the side of Alabama, every one of them on the side of Alabama. So those are the things that have changed. Both teams exposed their game plan, they're moving locations, and couple injuries to Bama. Now let's talk about those injuries. Uh, Josh Job, their best cornerback, out. John Mechie, their best receiver, out. By the way, both started and played in the SEC Championship game. Uh, Jalen Moore Davis, cornerback for uh, uh, Alabama, game time decision. Now remember, and we've talked about this before, cluster injuries are very, very impactful against the line. When you have a guard out and maybe a receiver out and a defensive back out, not a big deal. But if you have three injuries at the same position, well, now that starts to become a big deal. In Alabama, with their best cornerback out, Josh Job, their second best cornerback, Jalen Moore Davis, questionable. And even if he does play, you think he's going to be 100%? Not even close. So that's a concern for Alabama's secondary that had a nice day in the first meeting against Stetson Bennett. Okay, And on top of that, recall that Alabama is playing without two high-contributing running backs this season. I don't have their names in front of me, but today I saw that they have cluster injury at running back, and I was like, well... That doesn't always mean something, you know. Maybe these guys got injured in in preseason or you know training camp or like like, like the first game or something like that, off season, whatever. Maybe early in the year, not that impactful. But two of the three uh, two of the three running backs that are out for Alabama, I think, had over forty carries this year for the Crimson Tide, and they like to spread things out during the season. So while it's not super impactful, the one team dealing with all the injuries and the in the missing pieces is Bama. Georgia's pretty much healthy for this game. Okay, at least comparatively to the first matchup. So aside from those things and those those injuries, nothing's really changed except our perception about Alabama and Georgia. Now, just rewind. If you can, if you can be non-biased here for just a minute, rewind the clock and remember what you thought about the Georgia-Bama game. Okay, Most people who I talked to, most people in the country, this proved itself in the sportsbook numbers, most people thought Georgia would win. Why? Because Georgia blew out every team they played this year in the SEC. They allowed just over a touchdown a game. They looked so, so good and so dominant. What's changed? I mean, what's changed? They've played the best coach uh, in the history of the game within a very elite team in a vulnerable position where they showed everything. And now suddenly we're all selling our Georgia stock, which, by the way, again, I bet on Bama the first game. So I'm, I'm was buying Bama low and I'm buying Georgia low. But that's what's happening here. Everyone saw one data point. Everyone saw one goddamn game and they're selling their Georgia stock. I don't understand that. Aside from what we just talked about, nothing has changed between these two teams. Okay, nothing. 
And if anything, you could say Jordan Davis, Georgia's defensive lineman, is an addition in the health factor. But let's move on. And let's talk about what I think needs to happen if my pick wins. Because Georgia is capable of beating Alabama. They're capable of making the changes. But what are they going to have to do? Uh, First off, let's start off with Georgia's defense because I think a lot of the handicap comes down to Georgia's defense. Most of the handicap, in my opinion, does. And remember, Georgia's defense was number one in practically everything before the Alabama game. Okay, so Georgia's defense, historically all-time great, they can't have the same kind of game they had in the SEC championship. I think they gave up 21, maybe 24 points in a single quarter. That can't happen again. So a lot of this comes down to Georgia's defense. They've been the backbone of this team all year long. And the first time these two teams met, Bill O'Brien had, what, a month, over four weeks to come up with a game plan. It had so many wrinkles. They ran bunch formations, pre-snap motion. I think they ran more pre-snap motion this game than they had in the last two years under Nick Saban. Okay, So Georgia, their secondary was confused. And I'm confident that won't happen again. They're going to iron those things out. They're going to let their secondary know what to look for and more. Because as I said earlier, Alabama and Nick Saban were vulnerable. They had to win that game. They showed everything. So the secondary for Georgia will not be nearly as confused, if at all, in this follow-up game in the championship tonight. Aside from the secondary, Georgia didn't sack Bryce Young once in the first game. They also blitzed 20 times. So think about that. Georgia blitzed 20 times, and they didn't sack Bryce Young once. And you may say, well, it's a lost cause. Why would they do that again? Why would they change game plan? And that's exactly That's a positive for Georgia. Now, here's the thing. I don't think Georgia goes from 20 blitzes to six blitzes. Okay, I think they still want pressure. And the pressure actually ended up being successful most of the time. They blitzed 20 times. 12 of them were passing passing plays. Eight were rushes. And of the 12 passing plays, Bryce Young went 4 of 11 for a 33% adjusted pass completion when he was pressured. So while they didn't actually get home to Bryce Young, they got back in the backfield, they made him uncomfortable, and if it weren't for a few magician Houdini throws to John Mechie, who's out this game, Georgia would have gotten off the field on third down. So what I see when I read Georgia 20 blitzes, no sacks, well, let me start here. What most people see, Georgia 20 blitzes, no sacks, is an incompetent, inefficient Georgia defense. What I saw was they accomplished what they wanted to. They got to Bryce Young, just didn't get the sack, which I think is, there's no way that happens again this game. They blitz 20 times, they're getting at least one sack. On top of that, Jordan Davis was not healthy at all for the first game. A lot of people said he was operating at about 30-40% recovering from COVID. So you see here how we're starting to build a case for Georgia. And it's one thing at a time, the injuries, the the, the exposure, the, the location... All these things start to add up. And as I've said before, this is what you want to do when you're handicapping a game, picking a side to bet on. You want to build a case. You don't want a lot of, uh, well, this is happening, but this looks good over here for them. But this will go go over here for, you know, this looks good for us, but this looks good for him or for them. What we're seeing here, what we're doing is building a case. And all of these things are really positives for Georgia. You know, Georgia has every opportunity to mix things up, come out with a brand new game plan. And Alabama's in a weird position to where they're going to mix stuff up, but now it's a it's a matter of, well, how much do you mix up? Okay, so also, or, or like I said, a lot of this comes down to Georgia's defense. 
And if you think Georgia's going to blitz 20 times and not get home, I would disagree. And as I said, Bryce Young, 4 of 11, 33% adjusted pass completion when he's pressured. Georgia may not blitz as much, but when they do, I think it's going to be much more successful than the first time they met. And keep in mind, Nick Saban knows Kirby Smart. They've coached together. He knows him well. Nick Saban knew everything he was going to see that first game. He knew every little detail Kirby Smart was going to throw out there, the blitz packages, the formations in terms of coverage. Nick Saban knew what he was getting into. Okay? Let's not forget that. That's a big part of this handicap. Georgia didn't really deviate much in the SEC championship from their normal game plan while Alabama did. That matters. With Georgia's offense, you know, and again, most of this comes down to to the other side of the football, but with Georgia's offense, let's not forget they were efficient this year. By the way, they were number one in passing EPA on first down. Why is that? Because Georgia's such a good running team, teams loaded up and were afraid of a run on first down, so they were able to play action, throw the football early in non-passing situations. And that's a big deal, I think, for Georgia this game. They've got to avoid obvious passing situations. When things turn into third and long, uh, second and long, a fourth down where you you need 10 yards or whatever it may be, that's where Alabama is going to have an edge and that's where Georgia is going to struggle. If we're looking at third and eight all night long, I don't like my handicap and I don't like Georgia this game. But I think they're going to have success early on first down, throwing and running the football. They have to mix it up. That's going to be so important. A lot of this game for Georgia's offense comes down to, can they have early success? Can we have? Can they generate the offense to create third and one, third and two? Okay, That's going to be so impactful because Alabama's great on third down, both offensively and defensively. You can't take anything for granted. Georgia has to be comfortable. And if they're comfortable, that doesn't mean playing from behind. That doesn't mean forcing them or or being forced to throw the football. What that means is running it, eating the clock, being efficient, and making the other team guess what are they going to do on first and second down. If Georgia gets in obvious passing situations, it's not going to be a a, a successful night for the Bulldogs. Okay, That's, That's what I think. But overall, Georgia has all kind of adjustments to make, which is a good thing. They can do this. They can do that. They can run the same game plan they had last last uh, time they, these teams met with a couple of wrinkles. They could bring an entirely new set out. They could do a little bit of each. That's why Georgia's free here. Georgia didn't show a damn thing in the first matchup. They've got a lot up their sleeve. Offensively, Alabama's not going to know. And defensively, all the adjustments in the world, and they saw what Alabama wanted to do. And on Alabama's side, Look, you don't think Kirby or you don't think Nick Saban knows what we're talking about. <laughs> you don't think he understands he's going to have to mix the game plan up. Of course he does. But it's 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 a different place to be. This and look, this happens sport to sport. You think these brilliant coaches in basketball and hockey when they blow out a team, it's the same thing. You don't think they understand you need to shuffle the deck for the next game, but it's so much harder when you had success. It's so much more difficult because now you're playing the game of, well, how much do we save? How much do we keep? How much does Bill O'Brien want to keep of his last game plan because he spent a month prepping for that game where he's just going to have about, what, a week and a half for this game? It's different. It's a very different situation. You put all that together, and that's why I like Georgia minus two and a half points tonight. I know. It's not the popular pick. Most people are jumping on Alabama because and you know how I know I love this pick I was talking to my mom about this she said who do you have said I'm on Georgia minus two and a half she goes well what does that mean I said I need Georgia to win by three her response what 
How can you make that? Didn't you see the first game? It was at that moment in time I knew I was on the right side. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, Alabama may win. They may cover. They may crush Georgia. That doesn't make this handicap in my approach flawed. This is what I've done my whole career. I believe Georgia's the right side. We'll see. We'll see. Whatever you have going today or tonight, good luck. It should be a lot of fun. Can't wait. National Championship. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Sports Betting Daily.